Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 1. If you're there, shout yes. yes. If you love God, say right on. Right on. If you hate the devil, give me a growl. Say, I love our church. We are the best church in the world. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they arrived there. And then they came, the Bible says in verse 6, that Abraham traveled through the land as far as the great tree of Moriah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai in the east. There he built another altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Now, there was famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Every husband needs to learn to say that to their wife. I know what a beautiful woman you are. For me, it just rolls off the tip of my tongue. I know what a beautiful woman you are. <laughs> when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. <laughs> just, just kidding. Then they will kill me. Oops, that's not so good. But they will let you live. It's always unfair for the men, isn't it? The burden we carry. <laughs> Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when the Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maidservants, and camels. But the Lord afflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your sister? Why, did you say she, why, did you, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything that he had. This is, for our church right now, an amazing season of breakthrough. I don't think there has been a more exciting time in the history of Arise Church than the season that we are in right now. Honestly, it just feels like our church is just so alive with a feeling that God is breaking through boundaries, taking us to a further place, opening up doors for us, giving us favor, 
empowering our future, speaking to us about great things to come. There has never been a season, I don't think, in the history of our church that I have felt a greater sense of universal optimism, of the feeling that God is on the move, of health indicators looking more positive than we are experiencing right now. This is without question, in my mind, the most exciting season of time that our church has ever, ever had. I mean, when you look at what God's doing in the middle of our church, it's amazing. I just came from Capity. This morning in our morning service on the Capity Coast, we had baptizing this morning 18 people who have recently found faith in Jesus. Can somebody give God some praise for that? Come on, in Christchurch in Hamilton, let's give the Lord some praise for that. I mean, we are literally, as a church, exploding with growth. We've been averaging 5,400 people attending our services. It's up over 800 people on this time last year. Our campuses are growing. The the slowest campus growth is 16%, which is pretty great for the one dragging its heels. Some of our campuses are growing at 22%. This is phenomenal growth. We are seeing so many people come to faith in Jesus. The number of life groups that we have, small groups, which is one of our core commitments, I believe the very future of our church is found in small groups. And our life groups are exploding with growth. Two years ago here in Wellington, there were 400 people a night attending small groups. It's like, you know, way, I, I, I think the number is about 12 to 1,500 now. And last month, individuals, no double counts, over 3,000 separate people attended a small group in the life of Arise Church. That is absolutely incredible. No double counts, you only count once, no matter how many you went to, even if you're a small groups junkie, you only count for one. Even if you went every night of the week, which some of you might have done, you only count once in that 3,000. An amazing sense. Financially, our church is stable, healthy. The number of people who are finding Jesus in our church is actually growing in the month of September, October, which is phenomenal. Not exactly normally a key season for explosive growth in the life of a church, but for us it is. And on every front, it feels like our church is just exploding with potential and life and vision and God. God is on the move, and I think we just need to pause for one minute and give him some praise. Can we just, can we just praise God together? We began this journey at the beginning of last year with a simple word God dropped into our hearts, prepare for rapid expansion. I mean, already our church had enjoyed such a great season, but I felt like God was speaking to us about things that we were yet to step into. And so we began at the beginning of last year, analyzing everything that we were doing as a church, making a heap of changes. And as a result of that, we've launched into this year and we're now living in this amazing season that God is just so alive in our church. And and not only that, but I believe that as much as material stats tell you something, the spirit of a church tells you tells you more. And when you walk into a church and it has a spirit like we feel in our services at the moment, we just know the worship is pregnant with that sense that God's there, when the praise is coming from a genuine feeling that I'm happy because Jesus is alive, you know that a church is going to move forward when its spirit has got that kind of health. And we feel that. Not only that, but this land that we are purchasing in the Hutt Valley 
It's just a very, very, very uh, amazing moment for our church. I believe it's a crucial moment. It's one of those watershed moments that we're stepping over into something new. It's such an amazing piece of land. Having been in America, been away for three weeks, obviously preached in a bunch of churches, turned down a lot more than I did preach in, by the way, but, but uh, you know, just to stay true to the fact that we were there to have a holiday, but, uh, but you know, America, you can preach every night of the week, you know, <laughs> they love church over there, but, but, uh, but, you know, we did the Sundays in different friends' churches and saw lots of buildings and just came back realizing that this site is amazing, this land, I mean, right where it is, I mean, geographically, having off-ramps, whether you're coming from the city of Wellington or from Upper Hutt, you can get on an off-ramp and just be right there. Car parking on-site, 120 car parks on-site, another 170 just down the street, literally like 30 meters, 50 meters down the street. Then you go over a pedestrian bridge and there's a train station and a bus station and another 250 car parks in case you need them. I mean... Uh, you know, the fact that transit have earmarked the land next door to put another car park on it right there, you know. Go ahead, why not? We're really lacking. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that it's flat land, easy to build on it, you know. We don't even need a resource consent to put an 800-seat auditorium on the site. Uh, you know, maybe later on in the future we'll blow it out and have to get resource consent for that. But right now we can actually build on it. <laughs> Nick's laughing down the back because we, we, we proved that this week. Uh, but which is good because we thought that was true, but now we know it's true, which is great. We go from faith to faith, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, yeah, yeah, so, so it's just an amazing sense that this property is so great, going to empower what we're doing here in the Wellington region. But not only that, as we buy this land, I'm really believing that we're going to pay cash for that land. And that's why on the 10th of, of November, the day that we began Arise Church 11 years ago, the actual calendar day, we started our church on the 10th of November 2002, which I would never do again, but God is in it. And uh, on the very day that we began our church, don't start a church in November, start it in February. But anyway, we started on the 10th of November, God's alive because we're still here, and we're taking an offering on that day that I believe we're going to raise $700,000 cash on that day and be able to buy that land outright. And as a result of that, really make a statement that our church is then increasing in strength. Then if, any, if it goes over 700,000, it'll go towards the building, which is going to be about two and a half mil uh, to build the building on it. And then our teams will get busy fitting that site out. And I'm believing that in maybe a year's time, we'll have a, another auditorium out there, a campus to have Sunday morning services in the Hutt Valley, a midweek hub for the Wellington region. And more importantly, a stable financial, you know, backdrop for what we are doing with the Rise Church as we power towards our future. From there, that's not the end. The reason why I'm believing that we can do this with either cash or just a very short-term loan is because we want to change a nation in the next 10 years. Christchurch needs a campus. Hamilton needs a campus. What about Dunedin, other cities, Palmerston North? I don't know where God's going to send us. I kind of do, but I don't want to say it out loud. <laughs> but we got a great future. We've got 10 years of expansion, changing a nation, doing something great for God. This is our vision. This is our future. This is what God has called us to do, to do something great for Him. And as we move towards this future that God's got for us, I believe this is an amazing season for our church and a season where we need faith. Faith 
Faith is what makes us Christians. Faith is what makes us God's people. I mean, we are, we are described by love, but what, what, what makes the essence of a Christian a Christian is faith in Jesus and a God who is alive and real and at work within our lives. It is faith that we need if we're going to walk the journey God has for us. It is faith, Hebrews 11 tells us, that possesses promises. God has already given us the promises, but when we have faith, we possess those promises. We'll put it in the reverse. If faith possesses promises, then no faith means no possession of the promises. God has already given us every promise. You will be successful. You're the head and not the tail. You will walk in triumphal procession. You will know victory. In all things, you will prosper. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But as we walk towards his promises, faith is what empowers us to possess them. Hebrews 11 also tells us that through faith, we conquer kingdoms. We're not here to conquer the, you know, the, the civil kingdom of New Zealand, but we are here to conquer the kingdom of darkness that is at work within New Zealand. To see, to see animosity go out of relationships, brokenness go out of hearts, addiction flee from people, to see suicide eradicated, marriages strong and healthy, salvations come to life. Pornography vanquished, you know, prostitution out of business. We are here to empower life and wholeness and healing and love and grace and forgiveness and blessing and joy. We're here to see the kingdom of God come and work. We are here to put to, to nothing the things. We're here to see the kingdom of God established, and it is faith that enables us to, to achieve this for our God. The Bible says in 1 John that if faith is the victory that overcomes the world. 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So faith is at the essence of what we need. Jesus said, if you have faith, you can move mountains. He said, if you have faith, anything is possible for him who believes. These are quotes from our Savior. I don't know about you, but I want to move some mountains with my life. I don't know about you, but I want to see things made possible. If faith is the difference between you can do it and you can't do it, then as a people, what must be found in us is an abundance of faith. We need faith. Somebody shout amen. Amen. If we are going to have faith at work within our lives, then what a great inspiration to draw from as we study the life of Abraham, who is called by the Scriptures, our father in the faith. This great hero, who in verse 1 of our passage, receives a word from the Lord, go to the land and I will show it to you. Leave where you are, move, and once you have started moving, then I will show you that which I have for you. And I want to talk to you about five points out of the life of Abram this morning, or Abraham this morning, and the first one is go and I will show. If you and I are going to walk into the destiny, the future that God has for us, if we are going to be people of faith, and I hope you realize, I hope we all realize this morning in Hamilton Christchurch and here in Wellington that we are called to be a people of faith. God wants to show off through your life. He wants to show off through your marriage, show off through your health, show off through your joy, show off through the blessings He brings your way. And even when life hands you rubbish, God's going to work it into something good so that He can show off through who we are. And when Jesus calls us, his first calling is always move, go. Jesus walked up to people when he called them here on earth, and he said, come, follow me. 
Come follow me. Move. You've got to go. If we're going to experience God's hand in our life, then it means to be moving people. In fact, before we were called Christians, we were known as people of the way. I mean, I love being called a Christian, a little Christ. I'm also pretty cool with being called somebody who's on a journey. Because that's what it means to be a believer. Not staying where we are, but moving somewhere. Go. It's only when you go that God can show. See, many people want to know what God's got for them before they set out. But the voice of heaven at its fundamental will always be move. Move. It's not until you move that you begin to realize what God can do. It's impossible to comprehend the greatness of God's plan in your life if you're stationary. If there is no response to the Word of God in our lives, we will never grasp what He's got for us. Go to the land and I will show it to you. And God is looking for a people who are going to be willing to move. See, the problem is if God showed it to you where you are now, you wouldn't be able to receive it. True, isn't it? I mean, sometimes in our lives, I think when we're walking in the plan of God, I know this has happened for me many times, I get to moments and I'm like, God, I, I, I don't even know if I could have believed for this 20 years ago. But that's the thing about God. He doesn't say, here it is, I'm going to show it to you. Now would you move? Because you'd be like, I just had too much pizza tonight. Had a cheesy dream. But with God, it doesn't work like that. He says, hey, hang on, move. Here's my instruction. Walk, take some steps, get out, move forward, get further towards me. It's time to go somewhere. It's time to just respond to the word of the Lord. You respond to his Bible. Move when he says move. If he says to you, repent, repent. If he says to you, go, go. If he says, share your faith, share your faith. If he says, give it an offering, give it an offering. But it's just a decision to go where God wants you to go, to walk a daily life of obedience to him. Go and I will show. And then the next thing that happens is Abraham gets to verse 6, and the Bible says that he got there. And when he got there, the Bible says God said to him, then in verse 6, he says, And I will give you the land upon which you are now standing. Go, show, give. Go to the land, I will show it to you. When he got to the land, God said, I'll give it to you. See, many people want the promise of God to be certain in their lives. This is what I have for you. This is what I'm going to do through your life. But they aren't prepared first to make the journey towards where God wants them to be. In other words, go and I will show. And then secondly, obey and then understand. See, Abraham actually did obey. What I love most, possibly, about the whole passage we're reading from this morning is that the Bible says in verse 1, 2, and 3, the Lord said, go, and I will show. Verse 4, the next thing, Abraham obeyed and went. Obeyed and went. Abraham, in response to the challenge, just did what God asked him to do. And as a result of his obedience, he came to understand what God had for him. And this is the challenge for us in our faith journey is that we have to obey God before we understand God. (laughs) Because our whole Western mindset works exactly the opposite. We want to understand God and then we might be prepared to actually obey God. But God flips it on his head. He says, if you want to figure me out, do what I told you to do and then you will get your head around what I have. Isn't that true of every father? I mean, with my own children, I tell them, you know, they say to me, why, 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 why? I mean, it's just like, 
I love you. Now I'm going to kill you. I mean, <laughs> you know, why? Brush your teeth. Why? So that your teeth don't fall out of your head. So that you don't... You don't... Hello? I mean, what am I? Some, you know, don't eat too much sugar. Why? 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 So that you don't go into an epileptic seizure. Why? 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 You know, I mean, it's just always why. And at the fundamental essence of parenting, we always say to our children, don't we? Because I told you. Because I said so. Because I told you. Because if the child doesn't learn to understand, to obey in the absence of understanding, the child's in danger. If the child's running towards a moving car and you say stop, and the kid's like, why? <laughs> Too late now. But how many people know because you are a loving, mature, and wise adult, hopefully, that's a face statement. <laughs> Scary parenting, isn't it? You have to study to get a driver's license, and with a kid, you just, it's a lot easier. And <laughs> suddenly you're entrusted with something, you know, and then here's this child. And, and, and if the child doesn't learn to obey in the absence of understanding, then the child will never really get to a point where it does understand because its childlike brain cannot wrap itself around the wisdom of the adult and so it is with our lives if we're going to understand the fullness of the plan of God we will only ever grasp what God's got for us in our lives when we obey him in the interim in the gap between our understanding and our present reality. So the Bible says, God said to Abraham, go and I will show. And Abraham went. And then the Bible says that God said to him, now where you are, I'm going to give it to you. I bet you Abraham thought that Haran was pretty cool until he got to Canaan. And so it is with us that God's going to speak to us at moments and say, release that, walk away from that, offer that, turn your back on that, walk, don't, don't, don't try and restore that, let it go, don't try and get restitution, release it, don't take vengeance, it's mine, you know, don't, don't worry about it, I've got it, move on, live your life in obedience, step out in faith, hey, how about you contribute to this offering, how about you do this thing for me, and when you obey God, then you get to a point where you're like, oh, God, you're actually not a vengeful figure. You're not, you're, not, you're not trying to destroy my life. You've got blessing in store. And it's not until we obey him that later on we come to understand him. So God's looking for a people who are going to be willing to obey so that when we obey, we can then understand. God's got something great in store for our lives. And then thirdly, understanding leads to worship. How awesome is it here when in verse 7, God says to him, I will give you all the land that you are standing on. And then the Bible says that Abraham built an altar and there he worshipped. There are different types of worship. There's the kind of worship that you worship that's just based on the providence of God. I mean, sometimes there are moments, aren't there, in life where you just go, man, this sunrise is awesome. Thank you. This food I have in front of me, I don't deserve it. Thank you. I mean, we, we teach our children to say grace. And I, I, I would encourage parents in our church to, to, to say grace with your family. Say grace wherever you are. When in our family, we're a bit crazy. We say grace in restaurants. And that means when my children are really hungry, they're going to burst forth into song. Essentially, that's what's going to happen. You know, children I've found increase in leadership 
with the degree that they're wanting to eat quickly. So my son will, you know, he would sit down, we're like, let's say grace. In the middle of the restaurant, there's food's in front of him, and he'll be just like, thank you, Lord, for giving us food. He's not like overwhelming with gratitude, probably. I think for him, it's more like, I want to eat this lasagna. The spaghetti bolognese is looking really good. Let's get this grace over and done with. But providential worship is an important part. Every gift you have has a giver. God gave you everything, everything. I mean, we don't deserve any of it. Everything that is in our lives is given to us, and we worship because of the providence of God. There is worship that comes from our sorrows. From moments in our lives that things are not going well, we must worship. In fact, some of the most important moments of worship in our lives are worshiping God when life does not make sense. I truly believe that might even be the most important worship, like Job gave to God. When the Bible tells us that Job has everything in his life stripped away from him and he falls to his knees in Job 1.21 and says, naked I came into this world, naked I'm going to leave it. The Lord gave to me, the Lord took from me, but may the name of the Lord be praised. That's some of the most powerful stuff you can ever do in your life. That's why the Bible tells us that the second half, he was already Bill Gates, the most wealthy man in the world. And then the Bible tells us that in the second season of his life, he had twice the wealth as he did beforehand. Why? Because he worshiped God in the middle of the custard moments of his life. But then there is another type of worship, not just in our providence, not just in our sorrows, but worshiping that comes from the promise. When God speaks to us and he puts something into your spirit. Have you ever had that moment when you know that God is saying to you, I'm going to take you into something better? When God's put that promise alive in your heart, it's that kind of moment when you know that heaven is trumpeting something into your spirit. I'm going to bless you. Greater things are in store. Moments of favor are just around the corner. God's going to deposit. I'm going to give you something amazing. It's those moments when you feel the promise that there is also the pull of heaven towards God that just says, worship me in those moments. So powerful that we worship God in these seasons. I want to encourage people in this room, in Christchurch, in Hamilton, to worship around the promise. Because something of heaven comes to our lives when we worship God around what He is saying to us. It makes God true and every opposition a liar. It cements the promise alive in our lives. It's what Jacob did when he has the vision of heaven and God standing at the top and the angels descending and descending on the, on the ladder. And God says to you, I am going to bless you, increase you, prosper you, favor you give you all this land that you are standing on. And just Joseph, Jacob, Jacob his name is, Jacob, I'm having trouble with the J's, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob built an altar and worshiped the Lord around the promise that had come into his life. It's important to worship around the promise. It's what Abraham does, does in this passage of Scripture. It's what you and I need to do in our lives. It's what David did when David was spoken to by God, when God said to him, I've already made you king, but there will never fail to be a, a descendant of yours on the throne. Your son Solomon will follow you. And David walks into the temple and says, hang on a minute, you've already dealt kindly with me, and yet you're speaking to me of so much more. 
See, somebody in this room has been resenting that feeling like favor has already come to your life. Somebody in Christchurch or Hamilton just needs to know that even though favor is in your world and God is speaking to you about more, God has more in store for you. Lift your gaze. Don't let the devil bring your thinking down, your expectations down, your belief down. We've, we've walked through amazing things as a church. If we're seeing 5,400 people a week in attend a service now, God didn't bring us this far so that we could just camp here forever? Come on, if there are 10,000 people involved in the life of our church now, where's it going to be in 10 years' time? I'm believing for 50, 100,000. Come on. And remember, we are only ever blessed to be a blessing, right? But if you keep that straight in your life, friend, then believe for more. Lift your gaze. Worship around the promise. God wants your marriage so awesome that people can be blessed because of them looking at your marriage. So yeah, expect it to be amazing. Expect your health to increase. Expect your finances to be blessed. Let's lift our gaze. Let's worship around the promise. He is Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Stingy. The God who heals you, not the God who makes you sick. The God of life, not the God of death. Come on, if he's in your life, then something better is yet in store. Somebody give him some praise. Oh, you, you shouldn't send me on three weeks holiday. I get far too excited. I'm so happy today. What was I saying? You've got to worship around the promise. In our lives, church, God's working for a group of people who are going to worship him around the promise. But then the Bible tells us that famine came to the land in the middle of the promise. In the middle of the promise. I mean, Abraham builds an altar, worships, can't believe it, moves on to another place. God, you give me this as well? Wow, phenomenal. Worships around the promise. Third time, moves to another place, worships around the promise. Can't believe it. God, you're giving me all this? Then suddenly he can't eat. And this is the thing about God. With God, the outcome is certain, but the journey isn't. God is going to bless you as the outcome, but the journey is not always easy. Come on, just because God's moving in your life doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be just tiptoeing through the tulips, enjoying those spring Cantabrian flowers. Pansies and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get ruined tonight. You know that, don't you? I'm preaching down there tonight. You gotta pray for me that I come out of the lion's den. the time of famine, he's, you know, everything's going custard in his life. He goes, what am I going to do? And he says, well, I'm going to go down to Egypt. Never, never, never back away from the promise to go back to where you've come. Egypt's always a picture in the scripture, every single time of the world, every single picture, a time of being enslaved. And he ends up in Egypt. And when he gets there, because he's moved in response to his fears, it finds a place in his life. And this is the thing. We worship around the promise. I'm so excited about the next 10 years of Arise. I'm pumped about it. 
I really believe that we're going to walk into something great. I really believe that this offering on the 10th of November, God's going to favor it abundantly. I really believe we're going to build this campus quick. We're going to get it paid off. We're going to move forward. I really believe we're going to continue to fill this Michael Fowler Center here in Wellington. We're going to run three packed out services in Christchurch, go to four, build a campus down there. Hamilton, already two services experiencing amazing growth up there at the Hamilton Girls High. But we're going to move forward. Greater things are still in store. We're going we're to take an amazing steps of faith and see God do something incredible. But there will be moments where you feel the famine. And Abraham, in the middle of his famine season, the Bible tells us that he says to his wife, Sarah, say that you are my sister. Say that you are my sister. I want you to know that there is no blessing to Abraham without Sarah. It, it was never just about Abraham. It was always Abraham and Sarah. Why, why do we know that? Well, we know that because when God turned up to Abraham, remember this, husbands. When God turned up to Abraham, he said, your name is Abram, but now will be Abraham. Your name is Sarai, but now your name will be Sarah. Because the capacity of God comes to both. We're not here to talk about marriages, but that would preach. I've been in America. That'll preach. <laughs> so for you and I in our lives, you know, for, for Abraham, he says, say that you are my sister. And he gave voice to his fears. See, the challenge for us is not always the fact that God's called us, not always the fact that we know that God's got something greater for us. It's that we go on a faithcation. And we give voice to our fears. We throw, we throw Joseph under the bus, don't we? We throw him under the bus because, I don't know who's playing keyboards, but can they come up? We, play, we throw Joseph under the bus because Joseph is the guy who gets his dream from God that his brothers are going to bow down before him. And he tells them. Then he gets another dream that it's not just his brothers, but also his mom and dad. They're all going to bow down before him. And he tells mom and dad. And then he, you know, he's like, you know, everyone hates him. He's got a lot of haters in his life. Because of the fact that he just speaks out, speaks out, speaks out, speaks out the dream, the vision, the promise. Because he worshipped around the promise. Because he believed in what God was calling him to do. Attracted a lot of animosity his way. But you know what? One thing you'll never find in the record of Joseph is him ever compromising, ever bowing to circumstance, to pressure, to adversity. He's like, throw me in the prison. I'm not giving up. Throw me in the pit. Sell me into slavery. I'm not giving up. And he just kept believing in the promise and never gave voice to his fears. And I'm here to tell you, church, that there are not always, there are going to be moments when it doesn't always look like it's going to be easy. But in these moments of our lives, we have to starve our fears and give voice to our faith and make a decision that we're going to live, live with the voice of God, live declaring His promises. I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or His descendants begging bread. I will see blessing in the life, in my life. I know that the Lord will crown the year with abundance and his days with favor. I'm living as the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm going to walk in God's triumph. 
I will be healed. I will see blessing. Anything is possible for him who believes. I'm speaking to my mountain. I'm giving voice to my faith. And God is looking for a people who are going to believe him. Does anybody believe that the greatest days of your life are in your future and not in your past? That good things are just around the corner. Does anybody believe we could change a nation for Jesus? Anybody believe you can see some good stuff just around the corner? Come on, come on. Let's make a decision to say no to our fears and yes to our faith. If you've got nothing to say that's good, shut up. Isn't it amazing that Egypt always wants to take your promise and put it in slavery? Isn't it amazing that the thing that brought the promise into captivity was the words that came from Abraham's mouth? And God's saying to you, you can set your own promise free when we change the way that we speak. In the vacation, faith. It's time to come back to the voice of promise. Speak it out. Speak it out. Speak it out. We declare the blessing of the Lord in every service this morning right now in Jesus' name. Speak it out. Speak it out. Speak it out. God, I declare over every life something rising this morning. Oh God, we're believing for greater, greater Jesus. Let promises come alive in hearts right now. Bring us back to the promise. Bring us back to the promise. You know, Jacob came back to Bethel and worshiped God again there. There are moments in your life where you have to come back to the promise and worship again. And I'm just believing in Hamilton right now, in Christchurch, in Wellington right here, that there are a lot of people rising with a new sense of faith. And Lord, we declare that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Believe for more, believe for more, believe for more. I declare it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.